Hi, I'm Maureen Milliken. And I'm Rebecca Milliken, and this is GroovyTube. Yeah. And if you you may have noticed that we didn't have a theme song last week, or Pe- last episode. Music, because the, it's a, the logistics to get the music we'd used before, which were on our other software, were too difficult, and I didn't want to go hunting around That's on fine. the Internet. So we're going to go without it, and I don't, you know, see. see. If anyone has any suggestions, that's fine. And, you know, I I had even thought, because I like the instrumental music at the end of the show, but then I thought it's copyrighted, and even if we just took a couple bars of it, you know, because we're so big. And we don't believe in stealing, though. We don't believe in stealing. So Especially artistic. We might come up with something sooner or later, but for now, we're just going to go without it. So today... We are going to be covering, on this episode, we're on Season 4, right? and we're going to be covering Episode 17 through Episode 20. Episode 17 is Bobby's Hero. When Bobby makes an idol out of Jesse James, Mike and Carol are asked to meet with his principal. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah, that's part of it. The next episode is... The subject was noses. Yeah. You don't know what this episode is. I would say this is an iconic. Ooh, we said the same thing. But anyway, the um, synopsis says, Marsha is dumped by the campus hero, spoiler, because her nose is swollen from an accident. That is a spoiler. Yeah, I know. Episode 19, how to succeed in business, with a question mark. Peter's after-school job in the bike shop becomes a personal disaster. Mm-hmm. That's another kind of spoiler. So just say Peter gets an after-school job in the bike no shop. Shit. Maybe we need to find different synopsis. And the final one for today is the great earring caper. Cindy loses her mother's earrings and recruits Peter, equipped with his new detective kit, <laughs> yeah. to find them. So the first episode we're talking about is Bobby's hero. Carol and Alice are preparing a tray in the kitchen, and Carol brings the tray to Mike, who's working in the den. It's got coffee and stuff on it. And she's almost giddy with the fact that she's serving her man. She likes to serve him. She's also making fun of him, the fact that um, he's wearing this houndstooth shirt that's got, like, red and blue houndstooth. There were a lot of designs on the clothing in this episode. He tells Carol he's writing a speech about the influence of ancient architecture on modern buildings, which is, he's doing a speech for some, is it for some architect? Yeah, some architect thing. thing. The phone rings, and it's Mr. Hillary, the principal. He wants to meet with Carol and Mike. Mm-hmm. And Carol seems very uneasy about it. Well, they kind of hit us over the head with the fact that if the principal's calling, it can't be good. Well, usually it's not. That's right. In the kitchen, Alice is making a grocery list, and Mike and Carol come through, and they tell Alice they have to go meet with the principal. Mm-hmm. And Alice is making a list with a bunch of, that apparently they need lots of cookies, but I thought Alice was always baking cookies. I know. Alice wonders, oh, she's very intrigued. She, well, she almost kind of flips out. Which principal, which principal? And I'm like, is it any of her fucking business? Jesus. You know, like it's any of her business. Now they're in the principal's office, and he's reading an essay by Bobby about his hero. Mm -hmm. Bobby's hero. And then he's reading the essay, and he takes off his glasses in a dramatic flourish (laughs) and says, Jesse James. 
And, and of course, Carol has to say, the outlaw. Well, so, as opposed to the one the motorcycle's on. Uh, yeah, because, no, although this was <laughs> 1973. I was going to say, just in case anyone who's watching doesn't know who Jesse James is. And then I kept thinking about that song Dad used to sing about. Yeah, and me too. I thought of it through the whole thing. That dirty little coward who shot Mr. Howard. Yes. The principal tells, he gives kind of a Mike-like lecture to Mike mm-hmm. and Carol about how he doesn't like the way books and movies glorify no. outlaws. Um, actually, he says, the press writes stories about gangsters and skyjackers, and that's what the problem is. Like D.B. Cooper, who was a big story around I guess so, although D.B. Cooper was actually the early 60s, I thought. I thought he was late. Well, in any summer. case... Um, just, I won't go on a big thing about it, but just in case people wonder why the press does write about gangsters and skyjackers, is if the press didn't cover the quote-unquote bad things that happen, you wouldn't be getting a full view of what's going on That's in the world true. around you. you and I don't think the media is really writing about Jesse James, so I don't think they can blame Bobby's obsession with Jesse James on That's the media, true. even though they try to. Mike and Carol are it seem very concerned, but then they laugh about it. So, yeah, um, and then he shows them a toy gun that Bobby had at school, like which nowadays would get him expelled. Right now, it was one of those cap guns that a lot of us had as kids. Yes. Although our mother was always saying she never bought us toy guns, we did. We have did them. have them. We had People those cap guns. Remember the rolls of caps yeah. you used to get? Yeah. You put them in the gun, and yeah, they were fun. Or we used to bang them with a rock. Yeah, on the, they were pop them. And, and I want like to. I know. And I want to say too, this is another case. Uh, this is another episode where uh, there's some obsession or something the kid has that we've never seen before yeah. and will never see him again. Right. But uh, apparently it's dominating their life. Yes, it is. So he was he was using this toy gun, pretending to hold kids up at recess. Now, he wonders why he's not popular in school. Mm-hmm. Bobby has some really disturbing traits. In he does, I know. His authoritarian thing with safety monitor, and now he's... Right, now he's... Right. So Carolyn and Mike are concerned, and they promise Principal Hillary that he will talk to Bobby. Yeah. And now we're in the backyard, and Bobby is playing with Cindy. He's pretending to hold Cindy up, and Cindy's playing along. She's pretending she's riding on a train. And I just want to say uh, some good acting on Susan Olsen's part. I don't know if this was her idea or the director. But she's kind of wiggling a little like the train is moving. Yeah, she is. Uh, So I thought that was inspired. Bobby does some weird flip thing that I thought must have really hurt on the uh, AstroTurf. He, like, Right, because he he's like the jumping off the yeah, train, the moving train. The train. He pretends to jump on a horse, but then Cindy chases him, and he's like, why are you chasing me? And she's like, I'm the posse. I'm going to arrest you. And then they run into the kitchen where Alice is mopping the filthy floor, which is always filthy. So Bobby says, oh, I just crossed the Rio Grande. Actually, he says, one of my peeves, Rio Grande River. Uh, And it's like... The Rio River, Grand River. Right. Just like Mount Katahdin is supposed to just be Katahdin. Yeah, that's true. Alice says she's the president of Mexico. Actually, she does it in a stupid accent. I'm yeah. not going to do that. And she gives permission for, because uh, Bobby's like, you can't arrest me with that extradition papers. Oh, no, that's right. Alice says, I give permission to arrest him. And then Bobby says you need extradition papers. And right when he says that, Mike comes in with the toy gun and he's like, I have some I have some, and I'm extraditing you into my den right now. Uh-oh. And they escort him into the den. Yeah. And now this is 
time for the lecture. Yes, and there's not only Mike explaining, but Carol explaining. Yes, well, Carol's gotten on the got, Carol's gotten on the bad wagon with the explaining. Yeah, in the den they show him, show him his essay, and he says, "What's wrong? I got a C plus. That's not too bad." <laughs> they want to know why he chose Jesse James as his hero, and he says, "I don't know because he's famous." And they say, "Well, Jesse James did a lot of bad shit." And he's like, my friend Jimmy wrote about Robin Hood, and no one got mad at him. Yeah. And they said they're not mad; they're just concerned. Jesse may seem like a colorful character, but he was a criminal. Mike says, maybe you'll understand when you're older. And Bobby says, yeah, I'll probably grow out of it. Mm-hmm. Now we're here. Alice is baking with Carol and the older girl. And I just want to say those pants Chan is wearing her bell bottoms with plaid, very large plaid. orange and yellow and red plaid. I think I had pants. You had similar ones. Like that. Yes, they were very, I said she has funky. Very groovy. And Mike wants to practice this joke, which I kind of thought was funny, but... I did not. He made a joke that says, I hear we have torn down a freeway to make room for a slum. And they didn't think it was funny, and I just want to say... Well, I didn't think it was funny, but I understood it. I did, too. That's what they did in the 70s. They tore down a slum. Yes, they did. Because urban renewal was so fucking funny. (laughs) These are the days... It, I, I won't go on a big thing about it, but the, the racial and class issues of urban renewal are still being yes, felt today. Yes, they are. And um, so I didn't find that joke funny at all. Okay. I have a, I have a, a big urban renewal thing. I mean, I didn't think it was funny. I just understood what he was saying, although they didn't. They didn't, and, they, and he said and something like maybe architects would. they didn't get it. Right. Not because they... they yeah, they didn't get it. They, they didn't think it was... It's not that they felt, as I do, about <laughs> urban renewal. They didn't. They just didn't think it was funny. He seems sad that they don't like his Yes. Yeah. Um, now, they're at their dinner, and they're having pizza and salad, and they're saying grace. Yeah, some Protestant. While prayer. they're saying grace, Bobby shoots his cap gun under the table. Mike's like, I told you no toys at the table, especially cap guns. And Bobby says he's sorry, but Mike takes the gun away. They discuss Bobby's essay. Peter says, you and that dumb Jesse James. Right, and, and like, Chan's like, what? And it's like, so they haven't heard about this issue yet? Apparently The not. biggest issue in the house right now? Cindy says she wrote one about Joan of Arc. And she gives a very impassioned pitch for Joan of Arc, which Mike and Carol kind of smile condescendingly, yes. and nobody says, yes, Cindy, that's a good hero. Nobody says any shit like that. Um, Bobby says, Cindy has a better chance of being a woman than he does. Yes. Peter says he likes George Washington, and Bobby says, I'll never be father of our country. And Greg says, what about Wilt Chamberlain? He's a hero, and Mike agrees. And Bobby says he'll never be seven foot two, and I thought, and he'll never sleep with thirty thousand women. I, w- I w- was going to say the th- same thing. And also, interestingly, Bobby also says he'll never and be black. black, which they all laugh at. And two things about that: first of all, so you have to be the same gender and race as somebody to be your hero, apparently. And I was going to say, gosh, there are so few white males who have been put on pedestals over the past couple hundred years for Bobby to emulate. It's too bad that white males... the only one the the writers know. But I do think Wilt Chamberlain um, (laughs) was a funny example, although he was playing for the Lakers at the time, and the whole sleeping with 30,000 women and all that stuff had not... No, that hadn't come out out. way later than that. Because we used to have a a cardboard cutout 
of, of life-size cutout of Wilt Chamberlain. I don't know what happened yeah, to Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't know what happened yeah, to that. Yeah. Because at the clothing store where Gordon and I both worked, my ex-husband, they had a big and tall um, section, and we had this Wilt Chamberlain. There must have been a line of clothes or something. Yeah. He won it. They, like, auctioned it off at work. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Gordon probably still has it. No, he doesn't still have it. Some, no. I think we sold it or something. Mm. So now we're in the den. Mike's practicing his boring speech again. Bobby comes in. He He's asking to stay up late to watch a movie. It's called Jesse James on the Vengeance Trail. Yeah. And Carol and Mike are like, no way. Enough Jesse James. And Bobby is so sad. And then Mike says to Carol, you know, they seem to be very familiar with the movie. Very. It's not a real movie, though, is it? I don't think so, no. Mike says, um, Jesse James must kill 45 people in that movie. Imagine Bobby watching it. And Carol says, yeah, imagine. And then they look at each other. And I... Matching a plan. Yes, they're both... And my response to that was, no, 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 (laughs) no, no, it will not work. Their plans never work. Right. But they're in the family room watching the movie. Mike and Carol are there and Bobby, but no one else is watching. And right. Like and they're all excited because they know Bobby's going to see all this oh, violence well, and death. bored by the movie. And I just want to say before going into this whole thing, I don't know why they think that Bobby seeing Jesse James killing people is going to make him not like Jesse James. You know, because the whole thing is he's shooting a gun and shooting no, up who Bobby is, so, you know. They, yeah, they seem pretty familiar with the movie, even though they don't think Bobby should be yeah. watching it. But, um, Although, Carol's one of those annoying people who I would never want to watch. Oh, I don't remember, Mike. What happens next? <laughs> you know, and it's like, why don't you just shut the fuck up and I watch think it? I think she got her man. She has yeah, to help her. So they're like, oh, this is the scene where he kills the people in the bank, and he doesn't. It's edited. The movie's edited. All the violent parts are edited out because it's on TV. And Mike and Carol are so disappointed. And Bobby loves the movie even though it seems like the most boring fucking movie I've ever seen. And their plan is failing. Like, there's a part where he takes the girl hostage and he's like, look, he's nice to give that girl a ride on his horse. And they're like, oh, this is the part where he shoots all those people in the bank, yeah. which Bobby doesn't hear them saying, apparently. And But then it just shows him going in the bank and coming back yeah. out. He's like, oh, he robbed that bank without having <laughs> to shoot anybody. <laughs> and then they're like, well, maybe he'll grow out of it. Right. But, 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 so go figure. Their plan backfired. What a surprise. Of course it did, because their stupid plans so, never worked. So now Mike is in the den screaming for Carol. Well, before that, too, I just want to make the point, because I haven't made it yet. I fail to understand, except for just as a plot for this episode, why this has become such a big, giant crisis. What, Jesse James? The whole Jesse James thing, you know, I don't know why it's become such a major crisis for them. Uh, That's true. But anyway, Um, I'm sorry. So Mike's screaming for Carol. Peter comes in looking for his allowance. Mike says he'll give Peter an extra dollar if he helps find his speech. Why? Because he was screaming for Carol like he was, you know, like his head had just been cut off or something. Why is it her problem? Because... Yes, I know it's a rhetorical question. Peter's like, sure, and he goes off to tell the other kids. So we're out in the yard, and the three, well, actually, Jan and Marsha are digging through the trash bins. Bobby comes up and pretends to be Jesse James, and they tell him to get lost. Then he leaves, and then Cindy comes up and starts to look, but she doesn't know. She's like, can I help look? Acting like a fucking idiot. Even though she's like 11 or something. And then she stops and says, what are we looking for? And I'm like, gee, I didn't see that coming. 
Because um, she's looking through the trash without knowing what she's looking. Yeah. And then, you know. Greg and Peter are looking for the speech. So they go in the front closet. Bobby comes up and starts acting like Jesse James. And he goes, now that you have the vault open. <laughs> so they no. shove Bobby in the closet and, and hold the door. And they're laughing. And Bobby's screaming, yeah, let me out, let me out. And Mike comes and makes him stop. And then Mike drags Bobby out of the closet. And he says, I want you to stop acting like Jesse James. He's like, this has got to stop. He was pretty pissed. And I don't... And that's when I'm like, why, do, why, why? I, I why is it such a big deal? I don't know. I don't understand what the problem. Uh, but anyway, uh, maybe they know more than we do about their fucking crazy son. Uh, yeah. Carol calls him. She found his speech in his briefcase. Oh, gee, what a surprise! Um, and I want to mention that she's wearing the classic early seventies yes, floral. Well, uh, no, I want to say floral blouse, big collar, yes. open oh, with true. the form-fitting white vest yes. over the very seventies. Yeah, and she wants her dollar for finding it. Yeah. Yeah. Or something else, make possibly a dollar's worth of sex. She, there's oh, an implication. Yeah. Well, they're always like that. Yeah. They like to have sex. Now Mike is at the library. The librarian's acting really weird. And also, I'm like, doesn't he know how to use a card catalog? Yeah, well, you know what? The librarians are there to help you. I, I guess that's true. She tells the librarian he's looking for nonfiction books about Jesse James. And the librarian is very whispery. And yes, like, well, it's because she's the librarian. And, of course, she has glasses. And the Jesse James books, she's like, oh, yes, we have some right over there. Yeah, of course. She, so right in the front. So Mike and Carol, this thing, they're in bed. Mike is reading the Jesse James book, and Carol's like, Ugh, when are you going to be done? He needs, an he needs an itty-bitty book light yeah. or something. And then he says, well, it's very interesting because the author's father was a victim of Jesse James. And the author just happens to open Sundown, which is nearby. Mm-hmm. So the next scene is the doorbell, and Mike answers, and it's this old guy, and he's this character actor named Burt Muston. And I was going to say, he is a classic classic if you watch tv in the 60s and 70s you saw this and guy i looked him up because i was because i remembered him from so he was like on every show okay so burt muston he was a salesman earlier in his life he had a radio show then he moved to hollywood in 1950 he was in westerns he has kind of a cowboy-ish accent yes. and he was in a lot of westerns but his last Appearance on TV. He died in 1977. He oh. was born in 1884. Wow. His last appearance was on the sh- show Phyllis. Oh, wow. In the, in the episode, his character married Mother Dexter, played by actress Judith Lowry. I kind of remember Judith that. Lowry died one month before, and Mustin died one month after the episode aired. And so this was made in 1973, and he was born in 1884. 84. He died at age 92. So he, so was, he would have been in his late 80s. And he's actually younger than the actor, I mean, than the character he's playing, because Jesse James was killed in 1882. Right. So 91 years before. And I don't think, if you listen to what he tells Bobby, I don't think he remembered he was a baby or something. Right, right. And, so um, he would have been in his 90s. Yeah, and I was yeah, because I was going to do the math and figure out <laughs> when Jesse James was alive. Yeah, and when Jesse was been. killed in 1982. But I'm sure Rob, Robert Reed would have had an issue if it couldn't have. Yes. So his name is Mr. Collins. And Mike says he likes his book, and Mr. Collins is like, thank you. You're the only one who's read it. I think it might be one of those self-published ones. Although back then it was Vanity Vanity Press. Press. Mr. Collins says he's sure he can straighten Bobby out. Mm -hmm. And did you notice that Mike is calling Bobby Bob 
in this episode. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I did. Carol comes in, and they're introduced. And Mike brings Bobby, meet Mr. Collins. Bobby is thrilled. He tells Mr. Collins he wrote a paper about Jesse James. Mr. Collins said, well, I wrote a whole book, but he's no hero to me. He killed my father. And Bobby looks disturbed. Mike and Carol are sitting there looking on. Well, they look, yeah, they look concerned, but they're secretly, like, just so gloating. They're both, like, creaming over the thing. Bobby can't believe Jesse James shot someone in the back. Mr. Collins said he was a young he was a young boy when it happened. Okay, so so you know he was probably like four or five. So yeah. he could be like supposed to be like ninety five. Yeah, and he looks up. He looks me. wicked old. He says, he tells Bobby, Jesse James is a mean, dirty killer, and he tells Bobby his mother used to cry about it, and he himself had nightmares about the train robbery in which his dad was killed. And he makes the point, kind of, that Jesse James shot everyone in the back. Yeah, he was a coward. He, and he was coward. a little asshole. Just like in the song, that dirty little, little coward, coward that shot Mr. Howard. Now we see the boys' room at night. Bobby's sleeping, but we hear the <laughs> old Mr. Collins' voice. Yeah. Uh, uh, telling the story. And so Bobby's having a nightmare. Well, it starts out as a nice dream. Yes, they're on a train. They're on a train going to California. And Jesse James comes on. And I just want to say, why does his dream have such cheesy production values? Because it's a dream. But also, in his dream, when Jesse's approaching the train, it's from that black and white movie. Right. But then when he comes on, it's this guy who I did not look up fast. His name was Gordon Duvall. And I wondered if he's like the son of the music producer for the show, Frank Duvall. Oh, he could Because they do use a lot yes. of... Because, first of all, he wasn't... He was good-looking in that 70s kind of way, but not a good actor. Yeah, he was so. a crappy actor, yeah. although it was a dream. Yeah. Bobby is really excited that Jesse's there, and, and Jesse is a fucking jerk, and he's totally ignoring Bobby. Yeah, totally. Although it is a dream. Yeah. And Jesse lines them all up and shoots them in the back, although it's not really... He's saying, like, pow. He's saying bang. Or, yeah. He says bang, and then they all die. Bobby's, Bobby's um, reaction, reaction is good. He's I, crying. Mike, look at Lane. In fact, it, it was... It was a very it, He did a good thing. job. Yeah. He did a good job. He's crying about his family, and he yeah. wakes up. And he's like, don't shoot him, don't shoot him. Of course, Peter and Greg wake up. And asked Bobby, what's the matter? And Bobby says he had a dream, and the dream was the worst. It was awful. It was the worst dream in the whole world. And now we're at Mike and Carol are in bed. And Mike says he's as ready as he's going to be with his speech. Mm-hmm. It's like, thank God. No one fucking cares. Bobby comes in with the cap guns, and he says he's turning in his gun. Mike and Carol are touched. Mm-hmm. And Bobby says he never wants to see another gun. So they were right. They were happy about that. Mr. Collins had an impact. And Mike says, you just have to be careful who you pick for a hero. And Bobby says, the next one will be a real good guy. Mm-hmm. And then the tag is Mike is leaving for his... Carol is wearing a house dress that looks a lot like stuff Mom used to wear. Yes, back she, then. Is, she is. This, like, blue kind of denim with piping on yes, it. she was. She has a stupid joke, which... I can't remember. It was bad. It and wasn't even funny. But, yeah, and then they kiss. Then he leaves without kissing her because her joke was so bad. And she's like, you forgot to kiss me. And he goes, I know. And he leaves. He goes out the door and closes it. Then she opens the door and he comes back and kisses her. It's Aww. very sweet. So the next one. The subject was noses. I think everybody remembers. And I want to say I remembered while watching it, but I totally forgot that one of the 
biggest catchphrases catch of the entire Brady Bunch was from this episode. Yeah. Yes. So we're at Westdale High School. Marcia is walking with her friend Vicky, who I thought looked very familiar, so I looked her up. Actress Lisa Albacher. And her last role, though, was in 1996, but she was in many, many things through the 70s, 80s, and 90s. She was kind of a classic 70s looking. Yeah, she was chick. in everything. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. But anyway, so her name was Vicky. So. Uh, her friend Vicky calls to her. They they start walking together and they're talking about the football team and Doug Simpson. Simpson. He's far <laughs> out. He is. He's so rugged and handsome. Yeah. Marcia says there are other guys more important than Doug, but she can't think of any. And suddenly more important on the football team. Yeah, on the football team. Yeah. What about Greg? Uh-huh. Her own brother. Right. But oh. she can't think of any. And then suddenly Doug is behind them. The minute he opens his mouth, Doug. Is obviously gay. I thought he was. I I wrote later that he was swishy. Yeah, he was walking really not yeah. this part, but there's another one. But anyway, we'll see it. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, Marcia says just that casual, and then Doug says hi, and then he asks, "Oh, Marcia?" And then he asks Marcia to a dance on Saturday night. She's stunned, but she says yes. Mm-hmm. And he then he walks away, and Vicky's impressed. Marcia's like, oh, and then she's like, oh, no, I've got a date with Charlie Saturday night. Vicky's like, Charlie, what are you going to do? And Marcia's like, I don't know. Like, he's never had this problem before. Now we're in the Brady driveway. Greg is fixing a bicycle, and we see Charlie. And I do have a, I looked him up. Can I, yeah, and I, can I just say, uh, tell a quick story? Stuart gets, yes. So, Charlie... Looks a little like this guy, and I want to say, I'll tell the story very fast, but it's on my other job, there's an area of the state, there's a town in the state that's going through this big revitalization, and there's a guy who's done some things, and people are always talking about, oh, oh, you know, he's so great. His name comes up all the time, and I tried to get a hold of him for a couple articles over the past couple years, and could never get a hold of him. He's very busy. He's hard to get to. So my job had this event up there. And and people are like, oh, he's coming to this. Oh, it's so great that he's going to come, blah, blah, blah. And I'd never seen the guy before, talked to him, or met him, but I'm like, oh, I better introduce myself because I've tried to get a hold of him. At the event, he comes in, and I just immediately knew it was this guy. He looked like he had just been on a hike somewhere, and he had kind of this, you know, flyaway hair kind of stuff. I go in and introduce myself after a little while, and it comes up that not only did we go to the same high school, but we were in the same class at the high school, although he didn't graduate uh, his senior year, he went to uh, private school. But I could not remember him. I couldn't remember him. I couldn't remember him. When I went, got home that night, I went and looked and I asked him, well, what did you do? Because I wanted to look, up, look him up in the yearbook and we didn't have like the fo- individual photos of earlier classes. Yeah, just, and he goes, oh, I played soccer, but not very well. And Blah, blah, blah. So I went and looked him up in the yearbook, and there was a soccer, and it was a classic, like, it's 70s. They're not in their uniforms. They're all wearing, like, jeans and, like, you know, rugby shirts, not for rugby, but just regular and flannel shirts and stuff. But then I started looking through the yearbook, and he was also in student government. And when I saw those pictures, I remembered him, and I had had a crush on him. Did he remember you? No, he did oh, not. Okay. He weirdly may have remembered our sister Liz, mm-hmm. who was a year ahead, but it's be- I think because one of the people in student government whose names he brought up in Liz's class was a friend of Liz's. But I remembered, oh my God, I re- now I remember him. 
and I had had a crush on him, and he looked kind of like Charlie, which Aww, is why I... Think I thought Charlie's cute. Yeah. I thought he was cute. I thought he was cute and very nice. But anyway, so sorry, guy, I had to tell that story and the scene. The guy that the, played Charlie, the actor, is Stuart Gett. He was in a lot of stuff around that time. His most recent thing, though, was in 1993. He did a lot of voice acting. Yeah. So I don't know if he did He's stuff. He's a redheaded kid. Charlie has some, says he has some wallpaper samples, but he actually has full rolls of wallpaper yes. he's holding from his dad's shop, so we can deduce from the... But Charlie's a blue-collar kid who his works... His father owns a shop uh, with paint wallpaper shop. And works, obviously, after school and must get out of school a little earlier than Marsha if he's delivering wallpaper while she's just getting home. Well, he asks if Marsha's around, and Greg says... No, you can turn your motor off. <laughs> and Charlie's a bit taken aback. Yes. So Charlie goes in the house. We're in the kitchen. Alice and Carol are in the kitchen. Alice is taking cookies out of um, the oven and putting them in the cookie jar. Right, warm. And she makes some joke about yeah, to they've Carol. Never, they've never had a cold cookie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Charlie says since you're Marsha's mother, you have a discount mm-hmm. on the wallpaper. And um, Alice offers him cookies. Mm-hmm. Now we're in the driveway. Marsha's coming home from school, and Greg tells her that Charlie is in the house. Marsha asks Greg for some advice. Uh, she wants to know how to break a date mm-hmm. because she tells him about Doug. And and Greg first is like, well, you can tell me I have to go out of town or blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, he might see me. So Greg see says, me at school. just say what guys do when they want to break a date. And yeah. Marsha's like, what's that? And Greg's like, something suddenly came up. Yeah. It always works. Yeah. But it's like, does it, though? And also, I guess Marsha's never had a date broken. But right. Since guys supposedly always say this. Yeah. Something so Or maybe she up. just didn't notice because it's this innocuous phrase that you can't really argue with. And yeah. so she... But now we all know we what all it know. means. It's one of those cats. In fact, my friend Renee at work and I say it a lot. Yeah. We joke about it. So we're in the kitchen again. And Charlie says that his dad picked out the patterns himself. And all of the patterns, I have to say, are very loud. Mm-hmm. And they're all, and I'm not, I'm not they're a ugly. loud pan, but they're, none of them are anything like each other. Right. They're all totally, totally yeah. different, which maybe he did on purpose. Marcia comes in, and Charlie is very excited to see her. I think he comes off as a little desperate. Yes, he's excited about their date. Marcia gives him the bogus excuse, and he's just like, okay. Like, he takes it in stride. He doesn't seem upset. And Well, like, you can't really argue with something suddenly came up. Yeah, I mean, like, if if you're, the person you're saying it to isn't as, a lot of times when it's a guy that you're trying to, don't want to go out with or something, they demand details. Right. Women might not. But the, one of the beauties of that line and something that, it, like in real life, is the fewer details you yeah. give, the less they can argue That's with right. you about it. Now the next thing is in Mike and Carol's room. And I just want to say, too, Marsha, obviously, at the end of that scene, feels a little bad that she, yes, she did. broke the date with she Charlie. Did. Yeah. They're sticking wallpaper up so they can see what it looks like on the mm-hmm. wall. Mike likes these ugly stripes. They're like brown stripes. And Carol likes these ugly roses. And that, both of them are the, the ugliest wallpaper ugly. I've seen in my Alice life. Alice comes in, and she's very wishy-washy. They try to get her well, to Well, obviously, her job's at stake yeah. if she agrees with one Carol of her degrees. what do you honestly think? And Alice says, I honestly think I should keep my mouth shut. Yeah, and she should, because she's only the help. That's right. Mm-hmm. Cindy and Bobby look in. Especially if her neighborhood got bulldozed in urban renewal, and she has nowhere to go. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um... 
Cindy and Bobby come in, and Bobby, of course, likes the stripes, and Cindy likes the roses. Because it's a gender thing. It is. Men couldn't possibly like flowers. In fact, one of Mike's arguments against the flowers is that they would be fine for a woman's mm -hmm. room, but it, it, he's a man. Even though he's I a thought, gay I remember man. When I, I remember <laughs> when I was little watching this, thinking that they wouldn't go with the floral pattern behind their back. Yeah, because you're an artist. Greg is in the boys' room now. Marsha comes in to thank him. And could her dress be any nice. shorter? Maybe. Yeah. Marsha says when she thinks about Doug, she feels great. She feels terrific. Because he's so good-looking and popular. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, she feels fantastic. Yeah. And she says, Doug is good-looking, popular, and terrific. Mm-hmm. And when she thinks about Charlie, she feels terrible because of she And I want to say about Doug, I don't find him, like, I can see why people would find him attractive, but I find he's got those kind of just bland... Yeah. Like, well, can, you know, but that's the thing, though, in high, in high school. Someone's popular. Yes, and it makes them look. There's something about them. It's not necessarily their looks, and I'm not right. saying he should have been popular. They have that aura. Yeah. Right. And Greg suggests, so just think about Doug. Yeah. <laughs> and Greg's like, geez, I can't keep going. You keep going back and forth. Because she's like, oh, right. I don't know. I yeah. And she's like, well, it's not easy being a woman. And, and having empathy. And then he says, like, she doesn't say having empathy. But that's she's like, it's not, And Greg's like, well, it's even harder on me. Yeah. Now in the family room, Cindy and Jan are playing checker. Charlie comes in with more samples, and he asks Jan if Marsha's around. And Jan's like, no, she's not back from school. And Jan acts very uneasy because, of course, she has to live through Marsha. Right, life. and I'm guessing this is the next day because Marsha, the ne the scene before that, Marsha was in Greg's bedroom. So. Oh, yeah. So I'm guessing that this must be the next day. Yes, that's true. We don't know. And I can't remember. Typical Brady timeline. Yeah, the timelines are always. So then Charlie leaves the room. He goes to go upstairs, I guess. Cindy says, he's really hung up on Marsha. And Jan says, too bad she had to break her date with him. Cindy says, why? And Jan says, something suddenly came up. And Cindy says... Oh, you said that just like Jan did. And Cindy says, what? And Jan says, you're too young to understand. Yeah. Which they always say to poor Cindy. But also, yeah. you're too fucking stupid. Right. Uh, just then, a red convertible pulls up in the driveway, mm -hmm. and Jan says, oh, no, Doug's here. Marsha and Doug get out of the car and flirt with each other, and Jan comes out. And I have to say, Doug is always wearing his Letterman sweater, well, which makes him a total douche. I know, I think he's douche. And also, uh, you really notice as she's leaning back against the car how really skinny she is. Well, yeah. Skinny. Yeah. Very skinny. I'm just saying. Okay. Marsha and Doug get out of the car for Jan comes out as Marsha asks Doug to come in for a cold drink. Jan says they're out of cold drinks and then tries to hint to Marsha. Very that strongly. Did. And I'm like, Jesus, Marsha, get a clue. And she's like, um, she's like, and there's too many wallpaper samples they around. They didn't walk in by themselves. And finally Marsha's like, oh, I get it. I would have said, um, that guy Charlie from the wallpaper store just left a bunch of samples here and he's still in there. Right, so. he's in there massacring our family. <laughs> <laughs> so and Chan's wearing those groovy pants again, yeah. the plaid pants. So Doug leaves, he has to go to football practice anyways. He's got a TR5. I noticed that's what his car is. Oh, wow. And Marsha and Jan are like, oh, it would have been a disaster. And Cindy's <laughs> like, Cindy's like, what? And they tell her she's too young. Yeah, to too young. So now Mike and Carol have decided on an ugly wallpaper. 
uh, stripes that are even uglier than the ugly yeah. stripes that Mike liked. And they're, like, brown and yellow and shit, and it's like, ugh. Carol says, well, if they, once they get this new wallpaper, they'll need new drapes, new carpet, new bedspread. And Mike says, well, then we can paint. And she's like, well, even if we paint, then we're going to need new whatever, all this shit. And it's like, oh, these silly women. And with he's her. like, then we'll just paint it the same color. Right. And and I'm like, and it's portrayed because it's a show, as we've talked about before, made by men. And a lot of it demeans women. So they portray it like this is just a silly, just silly female whim. And it's like, no, if you're going to fucking paint the room, you do need... Why bother changing the the walls? Well, the carpet definitely needs to yeah. be changed. You know, so it's not just some the silly female with their silly smaller brains thinking of stupid things. There's oh, actually um, some logic to it. Now we are in the yard, and the doghouse is in the yard. Right. Peter and Bobby are playing football. Mm-hmm. Marsha's on the phone with Doug. Mm. She's acting very dreamy. The way Marsha acts when she's in love, as we all know. Well, I wonder, like, we're attributing it to the fact that she's in love, but maybe she's just on fucking drugs. Yeah. Or she's just... No one knows. Carol says, uh, can you please go tell the boys to straighten up their room? And she says, okay. And then she goes off in a daze, opens the non-existent glass door door right um and says hey you guys and right when she says hey you guys he gets hit in the face with it with the football and classic says, oh my nose and i think he that grabs her nose and if you know anything about the brady bunch at all you know that well i think they do that in the movie too yeah i'm sure they do because why it's mess iconic. with success right and then the next scene marcia has an ice pack on her nose and she's like it's getting bigger by the minute it is quite swollen. And we know from experience that Marsha's very vain. Yes. Once I was playing catch with, I think, Jimmy, one of our brothers, and I turned my head. It was in our driveway. I turned my head, and when I turned back, he had really winged the ball at me, and it hit me right in the bridge of my nose. And I think it actually broke my nose. And then the second time was once I'd had way too many margaritas and was throwing up, and it was one of those old porcelain. Porcelain toilets. Remember with the porcelain seats? And remember how toilets used to have that porcelain ring? Like there was the the bowl, there was a porcelain ring, and then the porcelain seat, those really old toilets. Mm. Well, it was all that. So it fell, the porcelain ring and seat, bam, oh. right in my nose when I was in my early 20s. So I think but you I don't look like you have a broken nose. No, but I do have a deviated septum that causes me I a lot of too. sinus issues. Yeah. But anyway, but but I don't think I got any medical treatment except for putting ice on they it. Really do. They stuff cotton up it. Ah. But anyway. Mike wants her to see a doctor. Mm-hmm. Carol hopes it's not broken. Mm. Marsha is upset because of her date with Doug. Mm-hmm. She thinks it's well, I Well, and what I'm thinking is that Marsha, being a little vain herself, somewhere in her subconscious realizes what a, what a superficial dick Doug probably is. Now we're in the girls' room. Marsha and, and Jan are staring in the mirror. Yes. Because I love to stare. The whole, almost the whole scene is the mirror. Jan, and they're talking in the mirror, as people do. Jan says it just looks big because she's staring at it. Marsha says she can't help it. And Jan says, well, at least it's not broken. Then Cindy comes in with an ice pack, and Marsha says, no way, her nose is turning blue. And Jan says, well, Doug's probably used to seeing swollen noses being a football player. 
And Marcia's like, not on girls. Mm-hmm. And then Cindy says she's proud to be Marcia's sister no matter how terrible she looks. And Marcia gets mad. She's like, thanks a lot. And poor then she Cindy. Yeah. And sits on the I bed. know. And poor Cindy's trying to be nice. <laughs> well, yeah, she's stupid. Um, <laughs> then Carol comes in and she says, Marcia's nose is starting to look better. It actually looks like someone just took a piece of something and like stuck it on the top of her nose. Well, it is bluish looking and yeah. swollen. But, yeah. She says, take your mind off it and come help us paint the bedroom. And Marcia scoffs, take my mind off it. And then relives her nose incident a dozen times. And, 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 and oh, my nose, oh, my, my nose. nose. Why oh, my is nose. the flashback not from her point of view? <laughs> I don't know. Like, you don't see the football coming and hitting. <laughs> like, if it really happened to you, you see it hitting because her face. Creative. I'm just saying. Now we're in Mike and Carol's room. They're painting the Every, room. And it's Mike, very bothersome to me. Oh, my God. Mike is lecturing. Jan is doing a horrible, horrible job painting. I used to have a professional painting business, and I'm very fucking picky, but I can't. Jan is nice and dabbing And we were also, right, she's dabbing. And also we were taught to paint by our father. Bobby and we Cindy, did a lot of painting yes, as kids. We so we Bobby know. and Cindy are playing tic-tac-toe on the wall with the trim paint. Mike is annoyed. Greg is painting sideways over the trim. Like, the way he's painting, he's painting makes it all the way over to the door. It makes no sense. Yes. And he, <laughs> he paints Alice's face. Well, because what happens is, and this bothered me even when I was a kid watching this, Alice opens the door, and he's, like, dragging the paintbrush across the wall, across the trim, and into the door. She opens the door, and it hits her face, and he obviously sees her and keeps going. <laughs> and he's like, turpentine, please. <laughs> and so he keeps, you know, another, just another way to demean Alice. Oh, which, aha, it's so funny. Once again, we're crapping on Alice. Next scene is Westdale High. <laughs> Marcia's trying to hide her face. She's with Greg, and Greg tells her to stop hiding behind her notebook. And she says she wouldn't ha- she wouldn't have even come if not for having two tests. So Greg leaves, and Marcia goes to take a drink of water. And guess who comes up? Doug. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's trying to hide her face. Well, I'm like, like he can't see it because he's looking at her profile. No shit, but he's not the brightest bulb. No. He, oh, first he wants to walk her to class, and so she she's drinking at the fountain, so he can't see her face. And finally, when she he sees it, he's like. Oh, you can hardly notice it. Like, she tells him. She's like, oh, yeah, my uh, football hit me in the face. Then he breaks it. He's like, oh, that's why I wanted to talk to you. He's pretty smooth about it. Yeah, he does it. He segues right into Um, he Yeah, he doesn't miss a beat. He breaks her date. He tells her something suddenly came Yes. And Marcia's like, yeah. Yeah, right. And I'm like, what a superficial douche. But it's better she finds out now. But she almost looks like, she, you know, she expected it. Yeah. Alice and Carol are in the family room, making up the two, like, day beds into beds. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about Marsha looking in the mirror saying, why me? And Alice says, I do that, too. Uh, every time I look in the mirror, I'm like, <laughs> and Carol's like, oh, Alice. Yeah. Then Mike comes in as Alice leaves. Oh, and Mike says... <laughs> My, I can't say it. My sacroiliac. My sacroiliac. Thanks you. Yes. Sacroiliac. Well, it's I know it's uh it's like where your hip meets your back kind of thing. I know I kind of dislocated my one mine once when I was shoveling. 
snow. Carol says to Mike, it's the first time they've slept apart since getting married, and they kiss and make jokes. Mm-hmm. And then they probably have sex on one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mike and Carol hear someone in the kitchen. They're sleeping. It's Marsha. And uh, they ask her if she wants to come in and talk. She says she can't sleep. She has, like, her robe over her nightgown again. It's yeah. like, when you get up to get a drink. They all wear robes in that house. Well, they're very, Carol's like, well, I can understand why you're upset. It wasn't very nice of that boy to break the date. And Marcia says, well, I deserve it. And then she's like, I did the same thing to Charlie. She tells him what she did. And Oh, no, she didn't really do it for the same reason. She did it because what she felt was a better date came up. She yeah. didn't do it because she real thought there was something wrong with Charlie. Yeah, I know. But anyway. But it still was kind and of And Mike. Mike says, it's not a swollen nose that's bothering you. Yeah. But a bruised conscience. He's so deep. This must be the next day. Marsha's moping on this on one of swing. Really? She's got to fucking get over it. Cindy has found some money in the sofa and wants to know if Marsha wants ice cream. Marsha's like, no thanks. And then Cindy's like, do you mind being cheered up? And Marcia's like, no, it's all right. And she's acting like a fucking five-year-old. She is. And Cindy, once again, Cindy is trying to help. And Marcia's pretty much just dismissing Cindy's empathy. And, you know, know. it's like, get over yourself. Jan comes up with a record album. She wants Marcia to listen to her new album. It's really far out. And I'm guessing, you can't see what it is, but since it's 1973, I'm going to say Jan is one of the early fans of Bruce Springsteen and it's Greetings from Asbury Park. I doubt it. I think it's Carol King. Did the Tapestry yeah. come out that early? No, I think it was 1970 Tapestry. I think yeah. it came out 72. I don't know. Everybody had it. Every single, everybody woman, had every single woman of a certain age has that album. Uh, had here that are album. the albums when I was in college in every this woman was 79 had. to 83 that everybody had. Okay, every woman had Tapestry, but then everybody also had Frampton Comes Alive. Yes. And that Eagles, that best thing. Greatest with, Hits. With right, the with the, blue, right, with the blue. Right, and, and the skull of yeah. the armadillo yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Marcia says, no, thanks. Then Charlie comes in the yard. He came by to pick up the paintbrushes. So I guess they run out paintbrushes? Apparently. Oh. Yeah, but this again, um, as I like to point out, is a TV show written by people Who's whose lives are painted. totally different from yeah. the lives of normal people. I um, Charlie asked her, gee, what happened to your nose? She told him. He doesn't even like, he just mentions it, you know, he's like, oh, that's too bad. And then he says, well, since we can't call out Saturday, do you want to go out Sunday? Mm-hmm. And she's like... Not with this nose. And he's like, Marsha, I want to take out all of you, not just your nose. And so that's very sweet. And she says she wouldn't go out with anyone looking like this. And so I thought maybe it was Charlie nice. needs to realize Marsha's too vain for him. Oh shit, she's too shallow but, for you. Charlie. But anyway, but I thought it was nice. He didn't even like it. Didn't phase him at right. all. He was concerned, but right. he didn't care. And to come to think of it, like whatever. So it's morning. Uh, must be Monday morning in the girls' room. The alarm goes off. Oh, well, maybe it's not Monday morning. Anyways, it's morning. No, it can't be school because they, it's before the date weekend. Right. I know. So timelines it's morning. They're all like, ugh. And, and Cindy's like, why are nights so short and days so long? And then Jan says, because we have to go to school. They notice that Marsha's nose is back to normal. So now we're at Westdale High School. Doug is like swishing around the campus. <laughs> like the way he's walking. In his letterman He's sweater. walking by Charlie. Charlie's like, great game, Doug. And Doug's like, yeah. Doug's like, Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, Doug can't remember what his name is. You know. um, and why should he? Because it's only Charlie. 
And Marcia and Greg come walking by, and Doug's like, hey, Marcia. Uh, I'm surprised Greg and Doug don't seem to really know each other that well. Aren't they both football players? Well, maybe Greg doesn't play football anymore. Isn't a Greg a big man on campus, too, like Doug? Yeah. Doug's like, hey, Marcia. And then he notices her normal nose, and he says, gee, I was looking for you. Mm-hmm. My aunt that was going to come to town isn't coming now. Our date's still on, right? And Marcia's like, sorry, something suddenly came up. And Greg is smirking. <laughs> yeah. See, I get the feeling maybe Greg and Doug know each other, but they, they're not, they're not, they're they're not, not very friendly. Yeah. Right. Although Greg is better than, remember when she dated that other, that yeah. blonde guy? And Greg is like smirking and laughing. He's like, good, good job, yeah. Marcia, yeah. after Doug leaves. Yeah. Because Doug can't believe that somebody wouldn't, wouldn't want to go out yeah. with him. Then Marcia runs into Charlie, and she confesses um, what she did about her date with Doug. And I don't think she really has she didn't to. Have to. No. And she apologizes. And she tells Charlie she'll go out with him Saturday. And then he ties his shoelace to the bench and falls over on his face. I and thought and I thought he was going to break his nose, and, but he didn't. Right. Now we're in the living room. Mike and Carol are on the couch. They're waiting for Marsha. Carol's doing needlepoint. As usual. And Mike's reading. As usual. And I'm like, she must have such a boring brain. Yeah. Because she's... It's not I like he's doing needlepoint while she's TV watching TV or, or listening to something. She's just uh, yeah. uh, doing needlepoint because like, she has nothing else to Maybe do. Maybe she and Mike are talking. She's they didn't that, seem so. like that. He was reading a book or something. Sure. They're a little upset because she's late, but then she comes in and they're like, how was your date? And she had a great time. And then she says that Charlie at the uh, soda shop or wherever, after the movie, they ran into Doug and they got in a fight. And she said, you should have seen him. His nose was swollen up. And, and he like, went, oh, like, poor. running home crying. Yeah, or and Carol's like, oh, poor Charlie. And Marcia's like, not Charlie, Doug. She's like, can you imagine being that upset about a swollen nose? And, what an ego. And I just want to say, too, that the previous episode, they were all upset about Bobby emulating Jesse James. But everybody thinks it's a big hoot that Marcia just dated a guy who socked another guy in the face in public. Yeah, well, people fought all the time if you watch TV. Yeah, that's true. So then um, Mike and Carol were like, excuse me, biatch, you were just doing that with your nose. And Marcia's yeah. like, who, me? <laughs> yeah. Now the tag is Mike and Carol are admiring the new paint job. Then Carol starts talking about all the other rooms they need to paint. And then they start kissing. Like the hallway and a stairway in the foyer. And, and, and then they start kissing because apparently that's hot. I like the way that cut. they're very sexual. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. I just think it's yeah. nice to, it's for, to see them showing affection and... Sexuality. Yeah. Right. They're hot for each other. And Doug was played by a guy named Nicholas Hammond. And uh, I looked him up, but I didn't... Yeah, he didn't do much. I didn't think his acting was great, and frankly, I didn't find him that attractive. Like a male model. Yeah. I mean, that's what he And it's like, 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 Marshall, like, his face was very passive yeah. and non-expressive. Ready for a date, and then yeah. like, oh And they kept, like, having these, like, close-ups on his face when they were talking, which I thought was weird. Mm-hmm. But... I think we need to, before we move on to the next one, just once again talk about what made that a classic. It's weird how things, like the nose thing, yes. became so iconic. Oh, my nose. Oh, oh my nose. And, and I was I trying to remember that. And I'm trying to figure out, is it because, oh, my nose, is it because of the flashback? Yeah, I think so. And her saying, oh, my nose. And I think <laughs> that's so. But I think, too, the combination of that plus the something suddenly came yeah. up. 
Which I would say, even more than, like Mom said, not yeah. play ball in the house and, and exact words, I would say that is the biggest. Because kind of reminds me of, like, on Seinfeld, the yada, yada, yada. Yes. It's yeah. the same type of thing as that. that right. That came, that people started to use and people knew. I think anyone from our generation, if you said something suddenly came they up, would, they'd know They would know from. exactly where it came yeah. from. And again, it goes back to there being three channels yeah, to watch and everybody watching the same shows. You know, some of the episodes have filler, boring stuff. The plots are boring. That one was pretty good. This one moved along. Even though the subplot of the wallpapering in, although that kind of played into the other plot because Charlie Right, at least there was a tie-in as yeah. a writer, um, you know, like. And by the way, if anyone's wondering about the background noise, we decided to do this in my car. In a parking lot. For a lot of reasons. We had a thing that we both went to on one of the peninsulas in, yeah, on the coast in Pittsburgh. We were going to be going opposite directions. And we're halfway between my house and Becky's house. And the thought of going to our parents' house in Portland near Becky's house to record was just exhausting to both so of us. So we decided to try it. We're, in a, we're, in, we're sitting in the shade in a parking lot of a Target in Topsom, Maine. And I think it's working out for us. Hopefully it's working I'm out. I'm like Conrad Roy and his Kmart parking lot. Oh, too soon. Oh, sorry, Conrad. And, and frankly, we're near Interstate 295, but I don't think the sound is as bad as when we were in the Yarmouth Think Tank. Co-working. I think Think Tank is closer to 295. Yeah, actually, it was like... A, and you may hear an occasional seagull, but I think that just adds yeah, to the so op- seagulls are mad because we don't have any treats for them. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, and maybe that's one reason, too, it became a classic, is because it felt like there were there was no fluff and shit, no. and it moved along. It and was it, a well, yes. It was and it focused well on the kids and relationships. and Yeah. Next was episode 19, How to Succeed in Business. And this is a Peter-focused Peter one, and I do like the way... The ones that focus on one particular kid, keep, like their personalities are consistent yes. at least. It's yes, not where they are. And this is a classic Peter. Yes, it is. So, and also this one, um, different than many of them, although the last one did, when they do the, you know, I, I think this, the high school ones, are those on a set? Yes, they are. And this but was, this one had a lot of This was written stuff. by Gene Thomas, who doesn't, I don't, I, I'd have to look it up, and we don't have, once again, our research stuff here. But I don't, think, the car. I don't think he's one of the regular writers, and it was directed by Robert Reed. Ooh. And remember how we talked way back, back eons ago, how the first time they had him direct one, it was kind of a disaster, yes. which was a couple seasons yes. ago. And, but then he got into it, and I'm wondering if the number of outdoor shots and that type of thing was at his behalf. I don't know. I don't know, but they were actual outdoor shots. They weren't on a set. They aren't on a set. So um, let's get into this. The first scene is outdoor shot. Peter is riding his bike down a real street. Then he pulls into their set. of the yes. And he's wearing a shirt that looks so much like a girl's shirt. It's got a... Oh, the embroidery one? Yeah, and he's it's got an open... It's though. got a... It doesn't have a collar. It's yeah, like he's a collar, that, like a scoop neck. I know he is. He's worn that before. But. He puts his bike in the driveway. He's running, but then he remembers he's got books on his bike. He grabs his, goes back, gets his books. He runs in and is yelling, Mom, Dad, Mom, Dad. He's very excited. Alice is in the kitchen. She wants to know what what's going on because she has no life. And it's one of my least favorite things that they do on the show where somebody is doing that and Alice or somebody wants to know what's going on. Usually Alice, and they don't tell them. 
he says something great might have happened. He asks if the phone rang. Alice is like, no. And um, but then it does ring, and it's Mr. Martinelli. Mm-hmm. And Peter's excited, and he runs out saying it did happen. And Alice is all frustrated. She's like, what? What happened? Um, and Carol and Mike are in the den where they usually are. Again, Mike is working. Carol's, like, straightening magazines and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, does she not have anything to do? She doesn't. <laughs> well, first of all, she's a housewife. Yeah, I know. And she's a housekeeper. So what's she supposed to fucking do? Yeah, you're do? right. You're right. Peter runs in and tells him he's got his first job. It's at Mr. Martinelli's Bike Shop, and he's going to work on Saturdays and after school. And Mike, of course, sees an opportunity for a mini lecture. Yeah, you have to Mike explain. He says, now that Peter has a job, he has responsibilities. And Mike says, be prompt, hardworking, and loyal. And Peter trips on the way out, and Mike and Carol laugh at him. Mm-hmm. Carol's like, try not to be clumsy. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck you. Yeah. So now we're in Martinelli's bike shop. And, and Mr. Martinelli, because he has an ethnic last name, he has to have an accent. And he does, and he's played by... Jane Novello. Oh, yes. Who played many ethnic? Yeah, he was the mayor on McHale's Navy yep. of that time. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to remember where I. He seen plays him many before. different Mediterranean yes. accents. But he is. Types. He's actually Italian. Peter is fixing a bike. We learned from the beginning that Peter is slow, and Mr. Martinelli is a little perplexed. He's. He's not sure how... He's very subtle trying to prod Peter to be... Two, and he's, yeah, another passive-aggressive, conflict-averse boss who didn't tell the worker what was expected of him. Yeah, he given him expectations. And, and, and also, do you hire a kid to repair bikes without finding out if no, they can or not? I know. So none of this is Peter's fault. I don't think so. Peter comes home. And there's a bunch of bikes in the driveway. And but I want to say, though, Peter's all excited. Peter has no clue no, Peter's that on clueless. his first day of work, Mr. Martinelli is That's already not yes. happy about it. When Peter comes home, there's all these bikes in the driveway, and Bobby and Cindy are there. And Peter's like, what are all these What are all these bikes doing here? And, and Bobby's like, well, my friends found out about your... Uh, New job, and um, I have to say, Cindy's acting is at least she's not acting like a five-year-old in this. Peter's like, how'd they know about that? And Cindy's like, because Bobby called them and told them. And Bobby tells Peter he's got this plan that Peter can fix the bikes and he and Cindy will get commission. Mm-hmm. And Peter's like, no way, I'm not going to do that to Mr. Martinelli. You're good for Peter. See, he is loyal. He's a very loyal boy. Yeah. Now we're back at the bike shop and Mr. Martinelli is a bit impatient with Peter's slow progress and Peter's not getting it. No. Well, he needs to be, he needs to be subtle and Peter's obviously somebody where you need to just come right out and yeah. say what he you need to say that. and peter's so happy yeah and mr martinelli doesn't say and mr martinelli's getting more frustrated but he doesn't say look i know you're taking great care of this bike but I, it has to be done now so just do what you're supposed to do get it done this is how we operate here blah, right. blah blah and he doesn't he doesn't do it we're in the kitchen now. Mike is stealing and eating olives. Um, Carol's making something with celery. It looks like celery and olives. And Which crazy. is why Alice cooks, I think. It was People ate stuff like that in the summer. I know, they did. She's didn't. probably getting ready for Kind of a, I, I looked at it as kind of a wasp's antipasto. Yes. You know, put some um, Hellman's mayonnaise <laughs> on it and you're good to go. Peter comes in and he tells Mike and Carol that they should take up bike riding. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he pretty much tells them they're out of shape. And Mike's like, I golf, I play tennis, and I swim with the guys. And Car- mm, I bet and you Carol's do. like, I don't. Talk about the bathhouse. And Carol's like, I don't do any of that. And Mike says that he'll buy her a bike. And so. let me tell you something. I, tennis is not exertion. But golf, even if you walk the course, uh, is not athletically taxing and does not keep you in shape. Donald Trump, please go. go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Need I say more? Um, I think that he, he's not a fit swimming person. are good. Yeah. With the guys. With the guys. Now we're back at the shop. This is apparently his third day of work. Peter is still working on Mr. Actually, William's Actually, it must bike. be his second. No, it's the third Okay, day. okay, you're yes. right, you're right, you're right. Peter is still working on Mr. William's bike. Mr. Martinelli is actually getting upset, but Peter isn't getting it. Uh, he's totally oblivious. The phone rings, and it's Mr. Williams, who's not happy. Because he wants to go for a bike ride. Yes. Mr. Martinelli, he closes the door of the office, and he's, you hear his side of the conversation, and he, he tells Mr. Mar- uh, Mr. Williams he's going to get a new boy. Right. Like, apparently a girl can't do it. No. And then Mr. Martinelli tells Peter to go to lunch. And he says, they're going to talk later. And Peter's too dumb to figure out what's going on. Mr. Martin looks like, I'm going to finish this bike. We need it. Mr. Williams needs it. And uh, we're going to talk when you get back. So stupidly, Mr. Martin mm. says, that, says that Peter will be better off se- better at selling bikes than fixing them, probably. Yeah. And, and he doesn't mean that as a compliment. No. And just like the Dr. Stanley Vogel thing, yeah, I know. a communication is taken way to the wrong level. So Peter goes home to lunch and tells Allison Carroll he thinks he's getting a promotion. Mm-hmm. Now we're back at the bike shop. <laughs> Mr. Martinelli pretty much fires Peter. Mm-hmm. And he says you're just not mechanically inclined. Yeah, and I'm like, get used to it, Peter. And Peter's Here's sad. Life. He yeah. finally gets it when he closes the door and he's like, I got fired. Yeah. But I feel bad because I feel like, like you were saying, expectations were not set. It was poor management on Mr. Martinelli's part. He should have said, this is what, if somebody comes in with a broken chain, that's all you fix. Get it in, get it out, get their money. Right. We don't. And then if you're not doing, you think you're doing what you're expected to do, but you're not, instead of letting the person go on for three days or three months or three years or something, doing what they think they're doing a great job, you don't just come down on the person and fire them. Mm -hmm. What you needed to do was change the course as the manager early on and Peter should just get fucking used to it because this is the way many jobs are. Yes it is. Not that either of us speak from experience. So we're in the kitchen now. Alice and the girls are preparing a celebration cake for Peter's promotion. And it is the flattest fucking cake I've ever seen in my life. It looked good, though. I love cake. Yeah, it did look good. I like cake, too. In fact, I ate cake while I was watching this. And now we're in the boys' room, and the Brady theme is the sad, the sad The theme. sad thing. But I, Peter comes in, he's all hangdog, and I'm like, how did he get by the kitchen without seeing the girls and Alice fixing the cake? I know. Greg is on the bed, and he says he heard Peter got promoted, and Peter says, no, the opposite. And Greg's like, demoted? And Peter's like, no, outmoded. I got fired. And then he goes in the bathroom. And Greg asks, why? Why did you get fired? And Peter's like, I'm too slow. And Peter tells Greg he hasn't told Mom and Dad, and we'll do it 
He'll do it after dinner. And then he looks at himself in the mirror and says, he wasn't a tycoon very long. No, he wasn't a tycoon at all, actually. Yeah. You were a worker bee buddy. Yeah. They love to look in the mirror and talk yeah. to themselves. And so the next thing's really weird. They're actually eating dinner out on the patio. I considered that because Robert Reed was directing a Robert Reed thing. It was Don't a, people eat out on the patio once in a while in the it summer? It was very interesting. My issue with it was... Instead of what I assume most normal people would do and what we would certainly do in our family, everybody kind of takes their own plates into the kitchen or whatever. Alice has this tray, and everybody's putting their fucking plates on to the point where you're afraid Alice is going to trip and drop all the plates. It's fucking job. Why do you get mad when Alice is, she's she's paid to be their servant. I know. I guess I just have an issue with that whole Alice thing. is gathering the dishes, and Peter approaches uh, Carol and Mike are lounging on some lounge chairs while Alice is get, gathering the dishes, and he's about to tell them he got fired. Right, because Greg had, I'm not sure if you said this, but Greg had encouraged yes, him Greg to tell them. tell them after dinner. Right. Well, actually, Greg wanted him to tell them right away, and Peter's like, I don't want to ruin yes. my dinner or third yeah, by telling them. Greg, yeah. Just as he's about to tell them. Uh, the girls and Alice yell, surprise, and bring out the cake. And I'm under the impression that Greg, maybe Bobby knew, but Greg didn't know the cake was coming. Right, and it had sparklers yeah. on it. Sparklers. And it has a bicycle on it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Alice had made with cake a frosting, a very nice. And one thing. of them, I think it's Cindy's, asks him if he's surprised, and he says, boy, am I ever. And Greg is just kind of looking at him. They're like, oh, speech, speech. And they give him a sparkler, and Peter's like, I don't know what to say. And he's just looking at the sparkler wistfully. And the one issue I had with the whole plot is at lunch, he didn't tell them he got promoted. He told them he thought he would. So you would think when he came home, somebody would have said, hey, so did you get the promotion? Yes. But that never happened. That wouldn't happen in this family. Greg is just kind of shaking his head, but he doesn't. He's more interested in the cake. Yes. I would not get in the way of a cake. You know, if there's cake, I'm not going to do anything to make sure that slows down the cake eating. Yeah. Right. It's his problem. We're at night, we're in the boys' room, and Greg's sleeping, and Peter comes over and wakes him up, and Greg says, you should have told Mom and Dad after dinner, and Peter's like, I need your advice, and Greg's like, well, ask Mr. Martinelli for one more chance, and then Mom and Dad need never know that you got fired. And I'm like, worst advice ever, you never go crawling back, he fired you, even if he gave you another chance. You're doomed. Yeah, You're going to humiliate yes, yourself. Right. Peter likes that idea. So we're back at the bike shop. And Mr. Martinelli's just shaking his head like, Peter, you're a nice boy. Nothing personal. And Peter's like, but I can learn. And Mr. Martinelli's like, no, bye. Get, nope. Yep. See ya. Yeah. Which is the best thing Mr. Martinelli yes. could have done. Peter leaves. And then he runs back in, and he's like, my sisters are coming. Martinelli's like, you didn't tell your family? Yeah. And Peter's like, don't don't say anything. And he's like, Mr. Martinelli's flustered, but he's like, okay. And thank God we don't see the scene. I know. So the girls come in. Peter runs out back. They tell Mr. Martinelli they know Peter. Then they know he's now a salesman. They're being really rude to Mr. Martin. Yeah, they really are. But that's what happens when you're brought up in a household where somebody waits on you. I know. And they they want to make sure Peter gets his commission. And Mr. Martin always just irritated. And then they don't show the rest of the scene. Which I I was relieved, actually. I didn't want to see the rest of the scene. But what exactly happened? Like, did Peter come out? I don't know. Because the next scene, Peter's in the park. Well, and also, Cindy had wanted to buy a horn, and she keeps honking the horns. Yeah, being a fucking annoying But... And Mr. Martinelli, keep, Martinelli keeps cringing, but I'm like, you have the horns right there on the counter. Tell me people don't sit there and hawk those no horns. Shit. 
Peter's in, on a park bench. He's feeding and talking to the pigeons. Which I thought was kind of sweet. And it's about time to go home. I mean, he's like, oh, the shop's closing now. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, it's time to go home from my job. Right, and I'm like, the budding wife killer or serial mm-hmm. killer, the whole thing. Pretend you're going to work when you're really just sitting in the park. You know, a lot of those, like, wife killer guys, uh-huh. many of whom were in IT, but the <laughs> wives think they were going out to jobs, and actually they weren't. And um, that was part of the issue that made them have to kill their wife. When Peter comes home, Greg's watering the plants, and he says, he says, well, the girls told me that you're a salesman now. Which is, like, didn't Greg... Right. Like, Peter told me... I don't know. Well, because didn't Greg see the pr- promotion thing? And I don't know. Right, but but then Greg had told Peter I to know, go back. Did, I know, I know. Yeah. Just, Peter says, uh, no, Mr. Martinelli wouldn't take me back. And Greg says, you better fuss up to Mom and Dad. But then we see Peter in the park again talking to a pigeon who's sitting on the back of the bench about his problems. Yeah. And the bird actually seems interested in <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking maybe Peter ought to get a job in wildlife or something. And Peter tells the bird he's a failure at 14. Mm-hmm. So we know Peter's 14 yeah. now. Now we see Mike and Carol in the family room. And Peter comes in and he's about to tell them but then he chickens out. And Carol says, well, we've been thinking about what Peter said. And Peter's like, what did I say? And they're like, about bike riding. Uh, they're both going to buy bikes from him. And Peter tries to dissuade them, and then he leaves. And Mike and Carol don't get it. They're like, why is he acting like that? Doesn't he want to sell us bikes? And then they're like, maybe Mr. Martinelli can clue us in. And I'm like, why don't they just fucking ask Peter? No shit. Because Which normally they would both go to his room <laughs> and confront him. Carol's like, I would le- I'd like to know who let the air out of his tires. <laughs> now we're back at the park bench. And Peter's feeding the birds and confessing to them. And he picks one of them up. And all I can think of is, oh, my God, pigeons are so dirty. Yeah, they're dirty. And the pigeon looks weird, like it's dead or something. By the way, there's a car circling behind us. I see it. What's it freaking doing? And stopping. We're in a very remote part of this parking yeah, lot. We're in the parking lot. What's it doing? Maybe they wanted to do something and are pissed the word back here. But anyway. Well, tough shit. We're yeah, we were here first, right? Oh, you know what? I bet. going pee? No, I'm thinking it's a driving yeah, lesson. driving lesson. Okay. Don't hit me. That's all I get. <laughs> like that episode of Bob's Burgers. You see that when yeah. my father's teaching Tina to drive and she's like, ah. I don't usually watch it, okay. but I saw that one. And Peter picks one of them up and says, no wonder you like me so much. You're pigeons and I'm a chicken. And the pigeon's just like, ah. Uh. Then he hears a loud bicycle bell. Carol and Mike. And then he, like, throws the, the pigeon. <laughs> yeah. He just throws it. Which was funny. And Mike looks like he's never been on a fucking bike. And he's very wobbly. Well, they have both these, like, old lady bikes. I know. And he's they're laughing. And then mm-hmm. they come and sit on the bench with him. And uh, they're not too upset. No. Um. Well, and they say Mr. Martinelli and Greg told them they filled them in. Them in. Peter said, "Well, I was ashamed to tell you I got fired." Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike and Carol said, oh, oh, "Everybody gets fired." Yeah, and they said Mr. Martinelli told them he liked Peter. He just wasn't cut out for it, and you shouldn't be ashamed of that. At Mr. Martinelli gave them cash to give Peter for the commission for buying the bikes, and then mm-hmm. Peter feels much better. Mm-hmm. About that. And then the next scene is another, and this scene in the park was actually an outdoor scene. It wasn't in the, on the Right, park. it was outdoor. The next scene is outdoors. The, the whole family is right, because they're like, I know what will make us, right. or let's, 
I wish we had our Lloyd Schwartz book, and on our next episode I'll talk. I know in Lloyd Schwartz, there was some issue with the scene, and I can't remember what it was now. Oh, I have an issue with it. Yeah. Um, I have a so couple. the whole family's riding down the street on their bikes. No helmets, of two, course, because it was well, the 70s. Well, because it was the 70s. Two, and two by two, like, they're all... And Alice up. has fucking training wheels on I her I know. Bike. And it's like, ha, 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 Alice. Because she's bringing up the rear, of course. And, and it's her like, sweats. Because it's yeah, she's wearing sweats with, like, a scarf around her neck. It's about the only other thing she wears besides... Um, and she's got training wheels on. Which is annoying. And because it's, yeah, it's hot, let's demean Alice, it's so funny. But that's not the tag, though it should have been. And I had an issue with the tag, too. So Bobby runs in the den and tells Mike he got a paper route. And Mike says, well, you got to get up at 5.30. And Bobby says, well, I don't mind. And Mike says, well, you got to go all over the neighborhood. It's miles. And Bobby says, well, I don't mind. And Mike says, you can't do it on a bike, which most kids do do it he on a bike. He said you need a car. You yeah. need a car, and you can't drive. And Bobby says, yeah, but you can. And then Mike groans and hits Bobby on the head with rolled up. Yeah. And kids back then, including me, this very that very year, delivered newspapers. They delivered them on bikes. Yes. Very few, few kids. Some kids got sometimes got their parents to drive them, and they were considered the loser thing. <laughs> and then apparently, so I'm I'm not sure when it switched. Like in the 80s, it switched, so adults were doing it in cars. But I'm not. I don't know in this scene how it switched from Bobby getting a paper out, and he's the right age for it because it's the job you did when you were 11 or 12 or 13 yeah. or before you could get a real job. It just annoys me that it just wasn't factual. Okay, Robert. Must be Reed. Robert Reed, and you would think Robert Reed would know that, but. Who knows? He was too busy directing. Now, the next episode is episode 20, The Great Earring Caper. And this is similar to several episodes mm-hmm. of the they're missing. It's a recycled plot. But I'll, I'll point something that's different out. Okay. All right. So I did have some issues with this. Oh, I'm um, sure. I had many issues with it. We'll talk so, about them. so the first scene is we're in the bathroom. Marsha is admiring herself in the mirror. Of course. Which I think, I don't think any episode goes by without one of them looking in the mirror. Yeah. She's wearing these gold dangly earrings and she's acting weird. Cindy is also in the mirror in front of Marsha and says, Those sure are neat earrings. Marsha says, Thanks, darling. Mother loaned them to me. And she's using this like creepy voice. Mm-hmm. Then Jane calls from the other room. She's actually in the hall. And Marsha and Cindy go into the bedroom, and Jane comes in the bedroom and says, Marsha has a call from Ted Edwards. Uh, Ted Edwards. What the fuck kind of a name is that? He sounds cute. Yeah. Marsha puts the earrings in a box in a drawer, and Cindy's watching. the whole. Mm-hmm. And Cindy's like, can I try the earrings on? And Marsha's like, don't touch these earrings. Their mom, mom's mother gave them to her. She's like, don't touch these so we know that something's going to happen. And then Marsha tells Jan that Ted is tall, blonde, handsome, nothing special. And then they laugh and mm-hmm. leave the room. And as soon as they leave, mm-hmm. Cindy closes the door. She takes the earrings into the bathroom to try them on in the mirror. And she's looking at herself in the mirror and Carol knocks on the door Cindy are you in there and Cindy panics she puts the earrings in a towel that's on the counter mm-hmm. and then she goes out into the bedroom and Carol's in the bedroom with this blouse she wants Cindy to try and she's like it was on sale they have them in green whatever in red and whatever 
And um, Cindy's like, whatever, I don't give a shit. And if I were Cindy, I would say, yes, please get all of them, because right now I'm wearing this weird pixie-ish outfit, like some little <laughs> Swedish salt shaker or something, <laughs> and I would prefer to wear actual human clothes. <laughs> and she wears it through most of the episode, by the way. Because it's all the same day. Um, Cindy's like, I don't care. And Carol's like, you're going to make some man really happy one day. You're easy to, you're a woman who's easy to please. <laughs> and then she leaves, she leaves the room and Cindy runs back into the bathroom to retrieve the earrings. But the towel's there, but they're not in the towel. And my first thought is, where's Tigger? <laughs> can't blame Tigger this time. Right. Even though his doghouse is mysteriously reappeared. I know. Kitty Carryall. Kitty Carryall, and he took that bracelet or something. Yeah, that's right. That's he right. didn't take Jan's necklace, right. though. She shakes the towel, but they're not They're mm. not in there. And, and this all happened, I would say, the, the like, with her mom. Within a minute. Within a minute. Yeah. She looks in the mirror and says, they're gone. Yeah. And now we're in the boys' room, and Peter has a Sherlock Holmes detective kit, which looks more like just a... Well, what he's in kit with a bunch of right. What he's doing is he has like a deer stalker hat on, and he no, he didn't put that on yet. He's putting Carl's eyebrows in a mustache. And and I'm like, and and Greg brings up the detective kit a couple minutes later, but I'm like, so the detective kit is like full of costumes, apparently. Yeah. Greg is reading on his bed, and he's watching Peter with a weird look on his face, like skeptical or annoyed and then Craig starts laughing at Peter so then Peter puts on a hat and he's playing with a magnifying glass <laughs> he sneaks up on Greg and tells Greg he has big pores yeah because <laughs> he's looking at his <laughs> nose with this giant <laughs> magnifying glass that actually and, wouldn't be very and then he tries to, he gets under the bed and starts pushing on the mattress he says he's trying to guess Greg's weight and Greg tells him to fuck off and then he bounces on the bed yeah, Greg gets off the bed and then bounces hard on it and, <laughs> and hurts Peter. And, hurts and then he leaves. He takes his book and leaves. And then there's a knock on the door as Peter's, like, crawling up from under the bed. And his, his uh, fake mustache and eyebrows are all messed up. And it's Cindy. She needs help. And Peter starts helping. And I, and I want to say, too, about Susan Olsen at this point. There are scenes I notice, especially in this episode, because it's one of the few episodes she actually gets to do some stuff. Even though they're still making her act like an infant her face and stuff sometimes it looks like there's this older better actor who yes. wants to come out and act like at least 10 yes um so peter it starts it says okay i'll help you but then he starts acting like joe friday not sherlock holmes mm-hmm. he's like he wants just the facts he asks her her name and she's like, you know who I am. I'm shot as she confesses to him what happened. Right. And Peter's like, you're in trouble. But he says he'll help, and she can be his assistant like Dr. Watson. Mm-hmm. So they go in the bathroom, and Peter deduces that they, the earrings must have gone down the drain, which is what I would have thought. I wouldn't have because... The towel is in the same place. The earrings were under the towel. They were, like, in it. Yeah, that's true. How did they go down the drain? Obviously, there was human involvement, and... Okay. That's what Peter says, too. Okay. Well, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. He didn't get actual... Well, he didn't get the timeline from her and what happens. Because he sucks. Right. He's definitely... He might not be cut out to be a bicycle mechanic, but he's also not cut out to be a detective. That is true. Did he try to be a detective before? Yes, I think he did. Well, there was a time when he was taping taping everybody. everybody. Yeah. 
He's going to go get Dad's toolkit and get them out. So at least he knows how to do plumbing. Right. And Cindy's relieved. Now we're in the den, and I'm surprised Mike didn't notice that Peter's taking his plumbing kit. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike is working. Carol comes in, and she tells Mike that she has an idea for the costume party. Mm-hmm. He says anything she decides is fine, mm-hmm. but we know that. But we know that's not true. She says, "Okay, Romeo and Juliet," and he's like, "That's not original." Last year, there's a whole bunch of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, because apparently there's a contest. There's a contest at whatever this party is, and it's couples. Like the couples have to be in a couple. Famous couples. Yeah. Like Carol's starting to get kind of annoyed. She's like, "Then well, why don't you pick a famous couple?" And he's like, "No, you're better at it." Mm-hmm. So then she says Napoleon and Josephine, and he's like, "No, that's not original." too. Yeah. And she's pissed, so she says, well, how about Gertrude and Claude? And he's like, who's that? And she says, I don't know, but they're original. <laughs> and he says, look, you're making too much a big deal. Just pick it. Whatever you pick is okay with me. And she says, sure, sure. Right. She knows. Then Alice comes in and says, how about George and Marshall Washington? Because... For some reason, the writers of the Brady Bunch are obsessed with George Washington. Yeah. And then He's the only guy that you can think of. She makes a joke about the father of the country and Mike having six kids and all that shit. Yeah. So the next scene is Peter. He's under the bathroom sink. Um, he's got the trap. Yeah, he's taking it apart. And he's, like, jingling it. And then he pours water in his eye. <laughs> yeah. Cindy's asked if he found them yet, and he says no. And he's like, go back to the lookout post. So Cindy goes back in the girls' room. Stands there suspiciously, and Marcia comes in. And, and what we have coming up is one of those really, really tedious time filler yeah. scenes that Mar- Cindy says, uh, Jan's in the bathroom, and Marcia's like, I don't need the bathroom. And I'm like, Why doesn't she just say Peter's in the bathroom? That's what I said, too. Because yeah, he is. Right. Then Jan comes in the room, and Marcia's like, I thought you were in the bathroom. And Cindy's like, Oh, it must be Greg. And, and also, like, I'm like, fucking care. why do they even need a lookout? Why doesn't Peter just lock the door, and if somebody wants He's to come in, just say, I'm in here, right? So then she, Cindy's in the boys' room, and Bobby walks in, and Cindy comes in and tells Bobby he can't use the bathroom. Greg's in there. And then Greg walks in, and then they laugh at Cindy. Right, because she's, she's so idiot. stupid, right. Now we're back in the bathroom. Peter did not find the earrings. No. Nope. He tries to explain to Cindy somebody must have taken them, like mm-hmm. you were saying. But she's too dumb to figure out what the hell he's saying. And so he tells her someone took them, and no one is above suspicion. And, and I wrote, at least this time, it's not Tiger. Right. And I'm like, that's not necessarily true, that no one is above suspicion. And again, what he should have done initially was determine, if this happened within a one-minute time frame, determine where everybody was no at that shit. time. No shit. If Cindy had just fessed up right at the beginning and asked everybody, where were you, did anyone see these hearings, then we would have... Right. Whatever. Now we're in the kitchen. Alice is mopping the floor. Peter and Cindy are spying on her. Like he tells Cindy they need to get her fingerprints off the mop, and they tell Alice they're going to go mop the bathroom, and they take the mop. And so let's just sit down. She works too hard. And also, getting fingerprints <laughs> is not. I know. Going to lead them. That's what I thought, too. people use the bathroom. It's like, how is that going to help? Right. She's a bit confused and suspicious. She should be. Now they're spying on Mike as he's working. They bring him a glass of milk. 
He doesn't drink it right away, but they make him take it. And I, if I were him, I would be concerned that they were trying to poison him. I know. Because they're very insistent that That's he drink the milk. Too. I yeah. Like, because I just right. saw a dateline about this woman whose husband, um, yeah, another one whose husband was poisoning her. Yeah. And he would bring her stuff and make sure she drank it. Yeah. Um, like those energy. Memo to everyone out there, if somebody who doesn't have your best interest mind is forcing you to eat or drink something, don't because they're trying to poison you. Yes. As soon as Mike takes a drink, Peter takes the glass back, and Mike figures out that he wants fingerprints and laughs. Right, and because they have, like, a napkin around. But he knows that Peter has that stupid detective, too. So. Right. And now the four other kids are in the yard playing ping pong. Then Peter and Cindy run out and steal all their paddles, and all they do is just stand there like, why did you take our paddles? Like, wouldn't... Right. right. And they're just all standing there looking. And and again, we see Tigger's house. Yes. Which which hasn't been there for a few years. It makes me feel kind of bad. Like, but anyway. So, Peter and Cindy are back. There's a lot of short scenes in this one. Cindy and Peter are back in the bathroom. They got all the fingerprints, but since everyone uses the bathroom, it doesn't matter. No shit, Peter. Right. And by now, I feel like the trail has gone pretty cold. Yeah. But, you know. It's time for plan B, but Peter doesn't know what plan B is. Right. He'll figure it out. Although, you would think if the book, like, the number one thing you do is establish a timeline and talk to people. I mean, I know that this is a sitcom and needs a stupid plot. But they could have done a plot where he actually did proper proper detective work and talked to people and asked them. And also, even when he does talk to people, it's like, where were? It's not like where were you at this time? I know. I'm just saying. So Alice is dusting the living room area at the bottom of the stairs, and she has like a shirt or something over her shoulder. I think it's like a sweatshirt. A sweatshirt or yeah, it was a sweatshirt or jacket. Carol comes down and tells Alice she's going to the costume company. And then she chides Alice for cleaning up after the kids. She's like, they've got to learn to do it themselves. And I'm like, hello, what is Alice's job? Isn't it to clean up after people? If your kids, if you want your kids to learn to do it themselves and don't have a cleaning lady. Right. Alice says, okay. And she puts it. put it back. And Carol says she hopes she can find some interesting costumes. Alice holds up a leaf and suggests Adam and Eve, and they laugh and mm-hmm, laugh. Mm-hmm. Now we're in the kitchen. Mike is trying to steal a donut. Well, he is stealing a donut. I couldn't figure out what he was doing, and I said he had a donut. And Alice catches him. Mm-hmm. Carol comes in with the costumes. It's Anthony and Cleopatra, which I think is extremely unoriginal, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Mike says his skirt is shorter than Carol's, and Alice, <laughs> Alice loves them, loves mm-hmm. the costumes. Yes. But she guesses they're going as Sunny and Cher, yeah, which um, was an extremely popular show at the time. Mm-hmm. And people still know who Cher is because mm-hmm. obviously yes. Sunny Bono skied into a tree and killed Aww, himself. Sunny. I think that was, it could have been even twenty years ago or it was so. A long time. It was, ago. I was still in New Hampshire, and he Cher wrote several songs like Needles and Pins. The ones that they sang, um, yeah, I, I got, got you, babe. And he wrote, I like the beat know, goes on. The, the beat, beat goes, goes on. on. The other one I like is um, Baby Don't Go. Right. And he was kind of a Bengali. Yeah, um, and also Needles and Pins. Tom Petty had a great live version. Of the, the late Ramones great Tom Petty. Yeah. Oh. Um, so, anyways, and Alice says, "Well, Mike definitely has the legs." Mm-hmm. 
There's a lot of kind of like sexual talk that goes on between the adults. Yeah. Well, you know, poor Alice. Carol is really excited. She's going to do this really heavy makeup. She's going to borrow her friend Pauline's black wig, and she knows just the earrings. Her favorite pair. Her favorite pair. The ones that she wants. Marsha. 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 And before Alice said, "My kid, great legs." Cindy walked in the room. Um, Cindy has this oh shit look on her face, and then when they walk out, Cindy's like. The earrings, oh no. Mm-hmm. Well, what did she think? How long did she think she was going to be able to go, you know? So Peter's reading his manual on how to solve crimes mm-hmm. in the boys' room. Cindy comes in and tells them they have to find the earrings. Mom wants to wear them tomorrow. I guess we have to tell her the loss. Yeah, why don't you fucking Cindy? Mm-hmm. And Peter's like, what? Tell the truth? No way. Peter mm-hmm. says, no, we still have 24 hours mm-hmm. to find them. And he's learning a lot from the book. Mm-hmm. He says they have to question everyone. Yeah, it's about time. So Greg is out waxing, <laughs> waxing a surfboard, mm-hmm. and Cindy tries to question him, and they have this stupid conversation that goes on too long. Yes, like uh, everything else in this episode. Like, she's like... Um, do you have the new, you know what? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. And she's like, and then he basically tells her to fuck off. Yeah. Then, now we're in the boys' room. Bobby is playing the, his hamster, which we have never seen before. And never see again. And that isn't a euphemism. He actually Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Peter questions him. Peter's like, what were you doing? Uh, yeah, was it yesterday? It, did he say yesterday? Cause yeah, they're wearing different clothes. clothes. No, oh, she's oh, finally she wearing a different outfit. Sort of, yeah. Bobby's like, I got, I think her name's Harriet. He got her a special treat. And, and Peter's like, did you give her jewelry? <laughs> it was got her, her a gift. It was her birthday. He gave her a gift. He gave her a gift. And Peter, Bobby's like, you're a dangling. Yeah. Um, which Hannah likes the Brady Bunch because they insult each other. Yeah, I do too. Bobby's like, there were seeds. I gave her extra seeds, sesame seeds. And then Peter says, Bobby's too dumb to be guilty and walks out. And Bobby's like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now Jan is in the girls' room. Cindy questions Jan. She's like, uh, and Jan's like, I was answering the phone for Marsha. And Cindy's like. Which is weird because. It's like, what were you doing yesterday after school? Now, Jan answering the phone for Marsha took like 10 seconds. I know. So, what they needed to say is, what were you doing like at 3.35 or something? Cindy's like, can you prove the phone rang? And Jan's like, can you prove it didn't? And Cindy's like, no, and leaves. And Jan's like, whatever. Like, none of them wonder what the fuck is going on. Right. Now we're back in the boys' room. Peter says, oh, my detective skills suck. And they do. He's and right he's about like, that. I wouldn't be able to find an elephant in the bathtub. And Cindy said, well, Mom is getting ready for the party, so I'm going to have to go tell her about the earrings. Mm-hmm. And Peter's like, well, maybe Mom will forget about the earrings. Right. Like an idiot. So Carol and Mike are in the bedroom. Mike is in costume, sitting on the bed. He's very impatient. Waiting for Carol. Yeah. You know how long women take to get she ready. She comes out. She needs help zipping up her dress. And Mike says, I'll ride on your barge anyway. Yeah. yeah. Carol says, Alice was right. Mike has great legs. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, well, maybe Greg will take her picture. And then Marsha's walking by the room, which is weird because the way she's walking, I thought that their room, not that I thought much about it, but I always pictured their room to be like on the end. Right. Well, as we know, that the architecture does not match. And it changes anyway. It's random. And Carol's like, can you get those earrings that I let you? And Marsha's like, sure. 
So we're in the girls' room. Cindy's moping on the bed. And Marsha says, are you okay? And Cindy's like, yeah, but you're not. You're in trouble. I think it's interesting the way Cindy tried yeah, to turn that around. It's you know, it's Trump- quite a leap. Trumpian. Yeah. And Marsha's like, me? What? And Cindy's like, uh, you told me not to touch the earrings, but I did, and I lost them. That's why you're in trouble. And Marsha's like, what? You, you lost them? And it's like, is Cindy, when are they going like, to grow Cindy up a little? But you're my older sister, and older sisters always protect younger sisters. <laughs> and Marcia says, I think it's interesting, Marcia's like, that's your story. <laughs> and then she grabs Cindy and drags her out right. of the room. And Mike and Carol are posing in the living room, and Greg is taking photos, and Marcia and Cindy come down the stairs, and Cindy says, the earrings disappeared. And Carol says, how? And Peter says, good question. I've been trying to crack the case. <laughs> and Carol's upset. Um, they're her favorite earrings, mm-hmm. and she wanted to wear them tonight. Mm-hmm. And Cindy apologizes, and Mike asks, well, where did you lose them? And all this time, Peter's taking uh, notes. Yeah. They must be in the house somewhere. And Peter asks. <laughs> yeah, this is funny. Peter's like, are you taking over the case? And Mike's like, yes. <laughs> I know. He's like, Jesus. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then he's like, let's reconstruct, which is what they always do. Right. You notice yes, they've time. done that before. Every so you'd think Peter would have figured that out by now. Um, but. No. Like I said, their minds become blank slates. After mm-hmm. So Marsha and Cindy tell what they did. He is Peter's taking notes. Alice remembers that she took the towel to put in the laundry bag. She had the well, laundry and bag. the other issue I have with the whole, th- what they do here, is nobody says, okay, this happened at 3.35. I know. And the second thing is, if somebody had done something with them and knowingly they would remember. But anyway. So she took the towel to put in the laundry bag, but then put it back because of what Carol had said about the kids cleaning up after themselves. And yet... And um, did you point, did I you have the same issue big, I had? Big timeline issue because that conversation took place long after the earrings. Yes, and my she was and my only thing is Carol. Carol made it clear. I told you before, yes. so I figured okay that that kind of but yes, and so that scene where Carol's telling Alice was okay to establish to the viewer. I almost said reader that this is an issue they have. But since Alice was doing it with the sweatshirt, it surprises me that she would do it, or that yeah. she would put the towel back but not put the sweatshirt back. I it know. doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. They determined the errands must be in the laundry bag. And Alice is like, I left it in the hallway, which is weird because it was the day before. Mm-hmm. And Jan's like, oh, I brought the bag downstairs. I saw it. I was going downstairs. So I grabbed it and brought it downstairs and left it in the laundry room. Or in the, she says in the, um, and Carol's like, oh, I saw the laundry bag and I dumped it in the in the, in the wash. wash. And I'm like, would you not sort the laundry? I know. Would you not a Would you not sort the laundry? And b Wouldn't you say to Alice, "Hey, I'm throwing a load of laundry in" or whatever? And uh, she's like, "Alice has that been washed yet?" And Alice is like, "Yeah, that was at least three or four loads ago." And like Mike's like, "Well, the earrings must be in the machine." So they all go into the laundry room. But they have Alice dip. Yeah, Alice is the one who has to dig around. Apparently, inside the barrel, they're not like lying in in the wash tub where you would see them. Well, they can go under. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Well, so she pulls out one earring, which is fine, but then the other one is destroyed. And I'm like, if Peter had done his job right, it would have saved that earring's life. Yes, it would have. Because he would have determined before. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cindy promises not to take anything again. And Carol says, they'll talk tomorrow. A long talk. Yes. I'm not sure what they're going to talk about because Cindy already knows what she did wrong. Oh, and shit. You know. They leave and Cindy asks Peter if he still has a lot of disguises in this kit. Peter's like, yeah, sure. And she's like, good, because tomorrow I don't want Mom to know which kid is me. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, she's a fucking idiot. And it's not... Susan Olson's fault. No. It's once again the writer the 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 people in charge of the show not getting that this little girl needs to be a well, little older. I mean when they started Marsha was probably about the same age Cindy is now. Right. They didn't make her act like an idiot. I know. So the tag is Alice is sitting at the table in the kitchen in her curler. She's eating a sandwich. Which and she's like so wolfing down this oh, giant sandwich. Yeah. The Mike and Carol come in from their party and Alice is like, oh, did you win? And they're like, no, they didn't win. They came in third, just like the You're just like the planners, right? The Cunninghams won. Mm-hmm. And you'll never guess. Carol says to Alice, you'll never guess what costume. And Alice is like, Romeo and Juliet. And they're like, no. She's like, George and Marshall Washington. And they're like, no. And she's like, well, then I give up. And guess who they came in? Mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes and Watson. <laughs> <laughs> and I found that episode was one of their it rehashed oh, an old yeah. plot. It Which had a lot of tedious. Like right. It had a lot of the things on the worst episodes have. It had a lot of tedious, time-wasting crap. Have a th- oh, the subplot was the costumes. The subplot was the costumes. The timeline was messed up. Yeah. The oh, a lot of even the conversations just weren't well done. It was almost like it was this rushed, thrown together. And it's too bad that you know Susan Olsen finally gets to be featured in an episode. And a, they make her act like an idiot, and b, it's a dumb episode. Is that the last one. Yeah, it was. Wow. I like. So we had some classics there, and also, yes, and that one was, like we said, their usual tropes, except for there's no tiger to blame it on. Although his um, doghouse was there, which yeah. was weird. I know a lot of the things they do is to make the plot work, but you can ha- you can have the same storyline and have the plot make more sense and it would even be better and funnier if they had could done different things i know i'm i'm like oh, i don't know how to write a tv show but i do know what makes a plot or a story work and when it, the people are watching it are thinking oh this is boring this is tedious or this plot line doesn't make sense or whatever or this conversation isn't like this conversation these two people would have in it messes mm-hmm. up there. except for when you're like a kid watching it you're just like okay yeah although even as kids when you know I'm not saying you can sit there and dissect a show but you you're entertained more yeah. often than others yeah. like I can remember as a kid like the bicycle one being uncomfortable yes. that Peter wasn't telling yeah. them, you know, that kind of thing. There's a, there's a lot of them that have that. Yeah, and hopefully next time we'll have our books so we can do more of our fun facts. <laughs> we're not doing it in the car. And stuff. Well, even if we're doing it in the car, we can yeah, look we'll stuff up. And so next week we have... Um, season 4, episode 21, You're Never Too Old. Mm-hmm. Episode 22, You Can't Win Them All. Episode 23. Another classic. at the top. Yes, and that's a classic. And that, and if it's really tough for you to go a few weeks without hearing our voices, 
Look for Crime and Stuff. Yeah. And we'll have another episode of that coming up in um Soon. In, right in a week or a couple weeks. And we're I'm trying to go every writing. two I weeks. Have, so yeah, you gotta. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Well, that's the episode we're gonna have coming up. I'm if you sure don't listen to Crime and Stuff, I'm sure you'll you'll like it. And oh if you've just stumbled upon us and haven't listened to our previous Groovies, go to GroovyTube Podcast. And someday when we're able to do like all the time, we'll have more. We will. Once we get rich from it. We're not going to get rich from this, but if, when we get rich from something else, so we don't have to work all the time and stuff, we'll be able to devote more time okay. to this. Sounds good. Right? Yeah. And if we do get rich from this, hey, that's just gravy. Um, yeah. I'm going to go jump in front of, like, a Lexus on the highway <laughs> and maybe, or some other big car, like a Jaguar. How is that going to make us rich? Because I can sue the person. Mm, no. But you're not supposed to be on the highway. Okay. But anyway, until next time. Stay groovy.